what a difference 18 days makes. No voy a dimitir. I will not resign. No voy a dimitir. I will not resign. No voy a dimitir. I will not resign. About my resignation, yes, I'm going to do. I'm going to yeah, Yes, because I cannot continue my work. So, the man at the top of Spanish football has finally bowed to pressure to step down. It all started three weeks ago at the final of the Women's Football World Cup. The World Cup is the domain of Spain. They've won it for the first time and won it by one. The Spanish team had beaten England's Lionesses. They were on top of the world. And then... Well, it happened in the moments following Spain's victory in the Women's World Cup. Millions of people have now seen the head of the Spanish Football Federation kiss a female player without consent. He says the kiss was mutual and with consent. However, Hermoso said in a video quote, I didn't like it, but what can I do? Was it an isolated incident or part of a much wider problem of misogyny in the game? And why did it lead to such a huge outpouring of anger in Spain on the cusp of its own Me Too moment? You're listening to Stories of Our Times from The Times and The Sunday Times. I'm Jane Mulkerins. Today, the kiss, the beautiful game and football's equality issue. I am Martin Ziegler and I'm the chief sports reporter for The Times and Sunday Times. Martin had been watching the game at home with his family. Spain had been playing England and the family was pretty disappointed by the Lionesses' loss and pretty surprised by what followed. Within minutes of it happening, I was getting sort of WhatsApp messages. There's a group of international sports journalists um, on a WhatsApp group, which I'm on, and they, they were all saying, did you see what happened in the medal ceremony? So what happened was... Luis Rubiales, who is the president of the Spanish Football Federation, the RFEF, it's like the Football Association in England, it's their equivalent, was seen kissing Jenny Hermoso, the, the Spain's midfielder, on the lips. He had been hugging all the players as they came through and then and kissing them on the cheek. And then with her, first of all, he sort of jumped up, so she was almost like carrying him. He's quite a small person. And then he grabbed her head in, in both hands and kissed her full on the lips and then patted her as well. Was it the only controversial moment from Luis Rubiales in the match? No. Earlier on in the game, when it looked like they were on the point of, of victory, he was standing not far away in the, in the sort of VIP box from the Queen of Spain and her 16-year-old daughter. And he's grabbed his crotch and thrust it out, which, speaking to some Spanish colleagues of mine, they say it's a sort of fairly common macho display, which is people often use in football. Look at my cojones, is that how they <laughs> describe it to me? <laughs> that sounds fairly extraordinary. I can't really imagine it happening at Wembley. No, it's, it is strange. And so now this man, Louis Rubiales, who's the head of Spanish football, has lost this job? 
Yeah, some people might say it's been a long time coming, but um, three weeks after that final, Luis Rubiales has resigned. And also, he's contacted UEFA to say that he's stepping down as a UEFA vice president. UEFA is the European football governing body, which covers uh, 55 nations across Europe. As you said, it's been weeks since that World Cup kiss and this all kicked off. And he's repeatedly said he won't resign. So why did he? What did he say? I think the recognition dawned on him that he'd reached the end of his line. He could be as defiant as he wanted, but his position was untenable. But there's also perhaps significantly, I think, um, the fact Spain is bidding for the 2030 Men's World Cup with Portugal and Morocco, and he also referenced that. Right. Okay. so how much of his resignation do you think might be down to pressure for him to resign because Spain just doesn't want to lose the 2030 Men's World Cup? I think that's probably the, the, the biggest factor, actually, in this. UEFA want uh, it to come to Europe. And I think FIFA, if they've got a disciplinary case against um, somebody who is trying to host their own prestigious tournament, then I think that's a a big problem for everybody, which, I mean, certainly speaking to people and women in football, um, they think that doesn't sit particularly nicely if it's a a resignation entirely driven by um, interests to secure a Men's World Cup Mm. in 2030. Interesting. Did he sound at all remorseful? I think he was the opposite of remorseful, um, whatever that is, remorseless. <laughs> Certainly, he, um, there, there's no apology. He just said he will continue to defend his honour. He will continue to defend his innocence. Um, that he has faith in the truth. It's not a question about me and some friends. They say to me, Luis, you have to focus in your dignity and to continue your life, because if not, probably you are going to damage people you love and the sport you love. He did reference the fact that it was his daughters and family who said that had been hurt by this, what he called excessive persecution and falsehoods. So, yeah, there was no, there was no reference to Jenny Hermoso or any apology for his actions. So we'll come back later and look at the big picture and talk about the problems that were simmering under the surface even before the World Cup. But let's go back to the kiss and zoom in on the two players at the centre of this. So there's Jenny Hermoso, the player who was kissed, and there's the head of Spanish football, Louis Rubiales. Martin, Jenny first. Who is she? She's 33-year-old, one of the leading players in Spain. She's the all-time top goalscorer for both Barcelona and Spain. She's a, a national icon. Her grandfather got her into football in the first place. He's a, a former professional player himself. He was goalkeeper at Atletico Madrid. Who's the man who kissed her? Louis Rubiales, um, a former player, 46 now, was a, a low-key player in his playing days. Certainly wasn't a household name. Played for a variety of lower league Spanish teams and then slightly strangely, ended his career with a a very short spell in Scotland, playing for Hamilton Academical. And then once he'd um, finished his his playing, he qualified as a lawyer and um, he then got elected as president of the the Spanish Football Federation. And six months later, he was elected onto UEFA's executive committee, the sort of ruling council of European football, 
And about six weeks after that, he was made the vice president of, of, of UEFA. So he's had some pretty lofty jobs in European football. What's he like off the pitch as a man? I think he likes to sort of portray himself as a tough guy. Weeks into his new job, it was the 2018 World Cup in Russia, and Julian Loptegui, who was the head coach of the men's team, announced that after the tournament he would be joining Real Madrid. Rubiales said, this is unacceptable. And two days before the opening match, he, he fired him, leaving the team without a, without a head coach. And actually, that they sort of performed pretty badly in the tournament. As a person face-to-face, I mean, I've met him quite a few times. He's not somebody who likes talking to journalists. He speaks English fairly well. But he seems a dismissive character and I think speaking to people in European football who know him on a sort of administrative basis, he's he's unpredictable and, and very outspoken. And back to the kiss when that first happened, what did he say about it and what did Jenny Hermoso, the player, say about it? Initially, Jenny Hermoso sent us a player down a bit in a locker room video. She was asked about it and she said she didn't like it. So clearly it was something that she hadn't consented to, but she said there wasn't much she could do about it. (laughs) Lou Rubiales, he reacted angrily. People who were criticising this, he said, were idiots and stupid people. He he gave a radio interview to Spanish radio station, saying that they were sort of tarnishing the um, achievements of, of the team. But the Ferrari wasn't dying down, was it? And the next day, Rubiales was forced to issue an apology. I mean, albeit a qualified one. Yes. So um, the Spanish Football Federation issued a statement from Rubiales himself, apologising, saying essentially that he got carried away in the, in the excitement, but insisting it was consensual. I want to say I am sorry. I have to admit, at a moment of maximum effusiveness, without any bad intention, with any bad faith, it happened, and we saw it as something natural, normal. What did the actual Spanish Federation themselves say at this point? They initially supported him completely. Not only did they issue a statement attempting to undermine Jenny Hermoso's account of things, they provided images, even body language analysis, threatened legal action against her, as Rubiales himself had done, that they called her a, a liar. There was a sort of strange statement issued by the Spanish Football Association quoting Hermoso, basically backing Rubiales' point of view. But it did later emerge that she never authorised the Spanish Federation to issue those quotes <laughs> in her name. Um, it's remarkable, isn't it? I mean, it appears now that sort of the victim of what's happened in this, not you know, to add insult to injury, the Spanish Federation was sort of making up statements in her name to try and support the Federation president. And what happened next, Martin? So things started building up internationally. FIFA announced it was investigating, and a lot of people thought that Rubiales was going to be forced to step down at this point. But actually, he stepped things up. There was a, a Spanish Federation meeting, and 
everyone expected that Rubiales was going to appear and he was going to apologise. He did quite the opposite. He came out, I mean, not just fighting, but actually punching hard. He was saying um, he'd asked her permission that he could give her a peck and she'd said OK, and that she lifted him up. And it's the way that uh, he would kiss his daughters. El deseo que podía tener. The desire I felt in that kiss was exactly the same as I'd have if I was kissing one of my daughters. No more, no less. And he said he was the victim of, of social assassination and false feminists who he said were causing huge damage um, to Spanish society. Como los que están rindiendo pleitesía al falso feminismo, que es una gran lacra en este país. It was also remarkable because a lot of the people from the Federation were um, applauding him. Do you really believe that I have to resign? Well, I'm going to tell you something. I will not resign. I will not resign. So Rubiales is coming out fighting. What was Jenny Hermosa's last word on this? She said it was categorically false that they'd ever had a conversation about the kiss. She was very clear and she said that she felt, and I quote, vulnerable and the victim of an aggression, close quote. So I think if there's certainly any doubts from people saying whether she had consented or not, she has made it absolutely clear. So momentum had really built in support of Jenny Hermoso. Did that make the Spanish Football Federation change its mind? Or at this point, were they still supporting their chief, Rubiales? So there'd been initially a a strong level of support within the Spanish Federation for Rubiales. But that changed. Um, We had an interim president being appointed once Rubiales had been suspended. He issued a forceful statement saying what Rubiales had done was unacceptable. And then additionally, we had 81 players, including all 23 of the World Cup winning squad and 11 coaches. Um, They all took action. The coaches resigned and the players said they would not play until Rubiales had been officially removed or had stepped down. What about beyond that, the UEFA and and wider football organisations? FIFA effectively charged him with misconduct provisionally suspended him for 90 days, pending an inquiry. UEFA took a long time to speak out about it, but Mm. probably about 10 days after the incident, UEFA's president, Alexander Sheffering, said, yes, Rubiales, what he'd done was inappropriate, but it's up to FIFA to take the action. So uh, definitely taking probably maybe the easy way out and not getting drawn into the, the detail of it. And what about away from football? Have the Spanish government said anything about this? Yeah, the Spanish government weighed in pretty strongly, actually. They supported FIFA's decision to suspend it and to charge in. And and they even took action themselves um, in a bid to try and get him removed from his job. We've had the acting prime minister, Pedro Sanchez, call the kiss an unacceptable gesture. And the equality minister saying it's a, a kind of sexual violence women suffer on a daily basis and which until now has been invisible. Maybe many men reflect and say, maybe I have done something similar or I have seen something similar and I have normalised it and now it no longer seems normal to me. Previously, his um, 
you know, he'd, he'd made sort of a fairly big point about how he'd been friendly with politicians, but it does look like they've deserted him. And now that he has resigned, that might have been a wise move by the politicians. But what about before the kiss? Was Rubiales involved in any other controversies before that point? Yeah, over the last couple of years, there's been a sort of steady drip drip of stuff coming out in the Spanish press. Some corruption allegations. Uh, one claim is that he um, did a deal which effectively sold a Spanish Super Cup tournament to be played in, in Real Madrid and he arranged for a 25 million euro commission to be paid to the company of a, of a Barcelona player. Um, another was his uncle went public with a, a claim that he had been ordered while he was working for Rubiales to use Spanish Football Association money to pay for a sort of sex party effectively with um, some young escort girls. Right. So just to clarify, this uncle used to work as Rubiales' right-hand man at the Spanish Football Federation. And the uncle says Rubiales sacked him because he refused to get involved in this supposed payment you've just told us all about. That is correct. Um, what Spanish Football Federation said about that claim of misuse funds? They denied it completely, said it was an invention made out of spite by somebody who uh, had an axe to grind because they'd been sacked. Rubiales has also defended the multi-million pound deal he did and said that there was no conflict of interest. Coming up, the woman who says Louis Rubiales asked her what colour her underwear was. That's after this. I'm David Baddiel. I'm a writer and a comedian and a Jew. I'm Saeed Avasi. I'm a businesswoman and a politician and a Muslim. Jews and Muslims always seem to be in the news or on the news. Most people talk about us and this is us talking about ourselves. The kind of things that people say don't touch, yeah. we are going to go there. I mean, I think Jews and Muslims are talking about these things, but I think they're not talking about them together because they're worried that if they do, sparks might fly. A Muslim and a Jew, go there. Find us wherever you get your podcasts. So, Martin, you've painted a picture of this man, the head of Spanish football, as a tough, some might say, impulsive man, and he's got a corruption allegation against him. But he's denied that. But had any other women complained about his behaviour before the kiss? When he was uh, the head of the, the players' union, the marketing director there at the time, um, a woman called Tamara Ramos, she has said that she quit her job in 2017 after being publicly humiliated on several occasions, um, being sworn at and telling other people in front of her, don't pay attention to this pregnant woman, she's, she's lost her marbles. In front of everybody, he'd say, laughing, come on, come over here and get on your knees. Words which I don't think anybody deserves. And I'm a professional. I was just working. And also things like asking her what colour her underwear was and being very aggressive, punching tables. 
He'd ask questions like, what colour is your underwear today, etc. And the truth is, you feel, as, as a woman in football, you know, there aren't many of us. And, oh, you know, with all the power he had. Oh. So she did sue him. Well, she, she brought legal action against the, the players' union and they, they settled out of court. And what was Rubiales' response to all of these allegations? He's not spoken about them personally. Everything has always come through the Spanish Football Federation and they've always strenuously denied the allegations. And actually, last month, the, the, the Spanish Football Federation announced it was going to be suing Tamara Ramos herself for her, her latest allegations. So that's Louis Rubiales, the man behind the kiss. But he's not the only Spanish official to have lost his job recently. The women's coach has also just been fired too. He's called Jorge Vilda. Tell us why he was fired. It's been a long-running saga. So in the statement in which they're announcing his dismissal, the Spanish Federation, they, they praised Vilda, saying he'd been the key to the notable growth of women's soccer, and that it... He'd led them to the, the first World Cup title, but basically had no choice but to sack him because not just the, the the current World Cup squad, but many other Spanish women players have basically made it clear that they weren't going to play under him. Why were the players so unhappy? A lack of institutional support, they said. Poor treatment. Felt that it was very, very toxic and controlling culture, very condescending. Builder insisting that their hotel doors were unlocked at night so he could inspect their rooms and that their rooms would be checked and searched and he wanted to vet who they were meeting for coffee and complaints that the facilities they were given were much, much poorer than the men's and that actually as a coach he was, he was out of his depth. So, yeah, it does sound like a, a very unpleasant atmosphere under Wilder. So this was all happening last year. What did the players do about it? The whole of the main Spanish women's squad had made official complaints. And then 15 players, most of them the leading players in the the Spain squad, they sent a letter of resignation to the Spanish Federation, said that they weren't going to play for Vilda because of this lack of support and the, the poor and inappropriate treatment. 15 is a fairly hefty number in an international squad. Did any of them sort it out in time to play in the World Cup? Only a handful. I think only two or three, but yeah, certainly around 12 players who you would thought would have been picked for the squad weren't there in Australia. That's one of the most remarkable things about Spain's win from a, just a purely sporting perspective, that there's such a sort of toxic atmosphere and yet the players managed to do it. At the time, the Spanish Federation said players would not be allowed to question the coach. It warned, and I quote, the players who have presented their resignation will only return in future if they admit their error and apologise. In terms of what the players allege, Jorge Vilda hasn't publicly responded to those allegations specifically. So, back to Luis Rubiales. He was supporting coach Jorge Vilda all the way through. Yeah, Jorge Vilda's always been his, his man. He brought him through. Uh, they've got family connections in a way because Vilda's father sits on the board of the, the Spanish Federation alongside um, Rubiales. 
there's lots of surprise in Spain when Vilda got the job because he was seen as being very inexperienced. So it was, yeah, very much seen as sort of family connections got him the job in the first place. It sounds a little bit like an old boys club. Yeah, I mean, to be honest, lots of European football is like that. Not quite mafia-like, but definitely sort of family connections help you. So that's the background. But that wasn't the end of the controversy involving Vilda the coach. What was he doing after the final whistle, at the World Cup final? A video has emerged showing Vilda in the aftermath of the uh, the celebrations or of the win, turning towards one of the, the backroom staff, which is a female coach, and putting his, his left hand directly on the, on her right breast for a couple of seconds. I mean, look, it looks a very, very uncomfortable incident. I mean, she's probably one of the few actually anywhere near him on the pitch after the celebrations. Yeah, quite significantly. Um, Molly Hudson, who was covering the match for the Times, uh, she was in Sydney, and she said the, the Spain players were scattered across the crowded pitch. They were hugging and celebrating. But Vilda, the manager, was standing on his own in, in total isolation, which I think um, is is very illustrative of, of their feelings towards him. Mm. But just to go back to the breast grab, am I right in saying that wasn't why he was sacked? No, it certainly wasn't mentioned at all by the Spanish Federation. So they're probably um, hoping that that particular uncomfortable issue goes away because they've removed him. Vilda hasn't yet publicly commented on the allegation of that breast grab. So Martin, bringing this right back to the present in terms of problems in the Spanish women's game, there's been some breaking news just a few days ago. What's happened there? So the players in Liga F, which is the professional women's league in Spain, have announced that they're going on strike over pay and conditions. Many people think they've sort of been emboldened by the uh, the Jenny Hermoso position, the support she's received, and now they've focusing on the fact that um, they believe they get paid so little money. We're talking about a minimum salary of €16,000. That's £13,700 a year. And they're demanding that that minimum wage should go up to €25,000 for the season we're about to embark on, and then €30,000 in a year's time. I I mean, I think it's... When you consider what the male equivalents are being paid... It's it's it's. So what tiny. are those men um, getting paid? I would say they would get be getting paid on average um, fifty thousand euros per week. That is uh, obviously millions millions a year. Um, so they're, they're probably getting paid in a week three times what the annual minimum wage is for a, a woman in Liga F. So the men get millions and the women get just under fourteen thousand a year. That's exactly right. And it's not just Spain's footballers who've been galvanised by this, is it? It's had a huge impact across the country. What's been the response of the Spanish public? We've had protests on the streets, people carrying banners against Rubiales. It's about people in power in Spain and women having been silent for so long now being able to speak out. So I think this is their moment. 
It's been called Spain's Me Too moment. Is that how you see it? Can you give us a bit of context? Spain is seen as as a very sort of macho society. In fact, the uh, concept of machismo actually comes from the Spanish macho, meaning male, and sort of describes the role that men were meant to play in society. And even when uh, General Franco was the ruler from the 30s until the, the late 70s, he, women were effectively second-class citizens. They were their husband's property. They couldn't have a bank account without permission of their husbands. And that those sort of laws were only revoked in 1975. That's extraordinary. 1975, I mean, that's only a little bit older than me. It's incredible. And has this got any better under the new prime minister, who is more left-wing? I think gender equality is is now much better. There's very even more women in Parliament in Spain now than there are in the UK. I suppose also as is, as in, in in Britain, women say even though the the laws are in place to protect them, there's still a sort of a sexist attitude for many many men in Spanish society. Mm. Has Spain actually ever had a unified Me Too movement in the same way that other countries like the US and the UK have? No, it hasn't, and. A lot of the Spanish media commentators and Spanish women, I think that this is it, actually. This is their Me Too movement. A Spanish artist did this illustration cartoon, and it's a, a little girl telling her grandmother, tell me how you won the World Cup, Grandma. <laughs> and, and the grandma saying, well, we didn't just win this World Cup, little one. We won so much more. So we've talked a lot in depth about Spain and the Spanish women's team. Is Spain the only team that has these kind of problems in women's football? No, not at all. We've had our own issues in the UK. The former England women's manager, Mark Sampson, he, he was effectively forced to resign a few years ago after allegations were made against him by some of the players. And earlier this year, the president of the French Football Federation, Neil Legrette, he, he resigned because he's facing a, a sexual misconduct investigation. Has he responded to those charges? He's denied them strenuously, but France's sports ministry were involved. They did a, an investigation and they did actually highlight the inappropriate behaviour of Mr. Legret towards women. But he is also now facing court proceedings brought by one, if not more, women who claim that, that they were sexually harassed by him. And what's he doing now, job-wise? Despite standing down as the French Football Federation president, FIFA announced that he's going to continue to work for for FIFA running the the FIFA office in Paris. At 81 years old? Yes. FIFA said at the time that this wasn't them rewarding him for for resigning, that this, this had already been planned. But I think it was very, very unfortunate timing, to say the least. Across the pond for many years, the US women's soccer team with a preeminent soccer team in the world. What's happening there? So there's been um, a year-long investigation into abuse and, and sexual misconduct in women's football in America. Um, there's actually been similar ones, a similar one in Canada, and it's found that um, emotional abuse and sexual misconduct have been systemic, involving multiple teams, multiple coaches, multiple victims, For example, one coach was going through post-match analysis with a player on his laptop and he actually played a porn clip when he was meant to be showing her a clip of football and then he started masturbating in front of her, which is obviously horrific. And then another player was coerced into sexual relationships by a coach. So, yeah, horrible stuff. And what's US soccer said about that? 
They've said they're fully committed to doing everything in its power to ensure that they have a safe and respectful place to compete and to, to learn. But, I mean, it's some, some fairly sort of horrific findings, actually, from this investigation. So back on this side of the pond, and back to the recently resigned Louis Rubiales, who's just lost all of his jobs, do you think there'll now also be criminal proceedings against him? Potentially. The top criminal court in Spain has launched a preliminary investigation into whether his actions could amount to sexual assault. But we've also had Jenny Hermosa herself filing a direct complaint which accuses him of sexual assault. I think that scene in Spain is a very significant moment. And what would be the sentence in Spain for someone found guilty of sexual assault? There's a new sexual consent law in Spain, and if he's found guilty of that, then he could get a fine or even up to four years in prison. How is this whole case being received in football now? It's slowly broken through the sort of consciousness of world and European football. Actually, this is a sort of fairly significant moment. Jenny Hermosa, she was given a standing ovation at a football match in Madrid. Sexist, offensive and abusive behaviour cannot be tolerated in women's football. England's head coach, Serena Wiegmann, she was made the UEFA Women's Coach of the Year at an awards ceremony in Monaco. In her speech, she dedicated it to the Spain's team. We all know the issues around the Spanish team. She said how hurt she had been about what had happened to Jenny Hermoso's. And it really hurts me as a coach, as a mother of two daughters, as a wife and as a human being. The game has grown so much, but there's also still a long way to go in women's football and in society. It's been a, a big moment for football and probably something that a lot of women would think was well overdue, that some recognitions about the sort of things that they have to endure. So, Martin, as someone who works in this world every day and has seen, obviously, the women's game come on leaps and bounds in the past few years. What do you make of the fact that, really, this is the moment that should have been a huge celebration of women's football and of Spain's win, but instead we're talking about a bloke and his crotch? I know it's really sad and awful, but also perhaps a sort of necessary step to shine a light on some of the people who have run football with some very dubious practices and dubious views. So it's hugely unfortunate for Spain's women, but for now this is about them using their newfound power in a way to change things for the better. You've been listening to Stories of Our Times, a podcast brought to you thanks to the subscribers of The Times and The Sunday Times, with me, Jane Mulcairins, and my guest, Martin Ziegler, Chief Sports Reporter at The Times. You can find all of his work at thetimes.co.uk or in print. The producer was Olivia Case. The executive producer is Kate Ford, and sound design was by David Crackles. If you have a story you think we should be covering, an idea for a future episode, or thoughts on what you've just heard, do send us an email to storiesofourtimes at thetimes.co.uk. See you again soon.